So I want to begin our Christmas series, Snapshots of the Savior. Because who Jesus is, who the Savior is, is very easily seen. It really is. It's, it's very easily seen. It's very easily seen. By the way, middle schoolers, you guys can go ahead and head to your service. Um, but it's, it's very easily seen who the Messiah is. It should come as no surprise to us because we have so many pictures in the Old Testament that describe to us who the Messiah is, what, what He is going to be about. In... Um, in our current context, oftentimes the names that we give our children, they're names that we give because it's the name of a family member or it's the name that we give uh, because it's a name that we like. But if you, it, all throughout the Bible, when you look at names, all these names, they have tremendous significance to them. They, they mean something. Now, an example of that would be when Jesus looks at, at Simon, right? And he says this, I no longer call you Simon, which meant to be blown about by the wind, but instead I call you Peter, which means rock immovable, right? The names had significance to them. They, they meant something. And, and so when someone was introduced, you would hear the, the name uh, Elijah, and what they would hear instead is they would hear one who is blessed by God, one, one who has a word from God, one who has… The, 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 the names were an indicator of their character or what God was accomplishing in them through them. And so, when, when the prophet Isaiah, when he prophesied about the Messiah and he said this, his name shall be called, that, that would have been something in, in their context, that would have been something in their culture that would have caused their ears to perk up because there was significance in the name. There's significance in the name. And his name shall be called, Isaiah 9 tells us, Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And, and when we look at how Isaiah describes the Messiah to us, it, it paints this amazing picture of the Savior. Wonderful. I love that word. I love that word. It really is unfortunate that the word has lost a little bit of its punch because of overuse. But wonderful. Full of wonder. It's the reason why it really is impossible to spend any time in God's presence and not find ourselves caught up in praise and worship. When we have just even a cursory understanding, right, of who God is, the, the, the dimensions of His character, the, the depths of His faithfulness, His engagement in our life, we, we can't help but, but express worshipful adoration of Him. Because he, he truly is wonderful. Here's, here's one of my favorites, though, this engagement point that is counselor. 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 Counselor is somebody who speaks into the activities of my day, speaks into the disposition of my heart, helps settle the questions in my mind. I, I, will, I will tell you this. I am grateful for the counselors that I have in my life, and, and, and I am, I'm appreciative that there is regularly wise counsel to speak into just the, the many decisions, the, the many issues that, that I have to deal with on a, on a regular basis, both uh, in my personal life, 
I will regularly look to, to people that, that I appreciate who they are, appreciate their life journey, and, and tap into that counsel. As a, as a pastor, oh my goodness. You know, I, I have this responsibility of leading this church to a place it's never been before, and it's a place that I've never been before. And it really is. It's a, the, the, the challenge of, of serving in, in leadership, and especially serving as the, as the point leader. Oh my goodness, there is, uh, listen, there are, there are so many times that you feel completely overwhelmed. And yet, the opportunity to tap in to, to wonderful and, and wise counsel. I, I'm thankful for, for brothers uh, in the Lord that I, I share in this journey with. In fact, I, I want to do this. Uh, there's a pastor with us this morning. Uh, he and his wife are here, uh, Bill and Carolyn Register. I, I want to say good morning to you. It is a delight to have you with us this morning. And uh, this is a, a brother that has, that has a, a pastored many years and has taken uh, struggling churches and see, see, see them come back to health. And I'm, I'm thankful that I can stand on the shoulders of great men like you. And so I just want to take a moment and honor you this morning and just bless you and say, hey, thanks so much for, for being here. Can we welcome them this morning? But we do, we, 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 count on, we count on counsel. And, and here's, here's what is said about, about our Savior, that He is a wonderful counselor. Here's, here's what, here's what uh, uh, God's Word tells us. It tells us this, that when we don't know what to do, that we can ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, it says, let him ask and God will give it, and He'll give it in abundance. He'll give it without reproach, some translations say. But it goes on to say this. It says, but when, when you ask for wisdom, ask without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed about by the waves. Let not that man, let not that person expect to receive anything from God, being a double-minded man, a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. If if God is indeed in the wisdom-giving business, if, if, if Jesus as our Savior is indeed our counselor, why is it then, if we were to be completely honest, why is it that it seems more often than any of us would like to admit that seemingly we don't hear from God? Why is it that when I, I ask questions, they they go unanswered. I, I have friends who say they hear from God on a regular basis, and yet I'm not sure that God regularly speaks to me. In fact, there are some who are here this morning who would say this, I don't know if God has ever spoken to me. And I, I want to I take a few moments and I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to talk about that because what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9, it was true in that moment that he said it. It's still true today. And it's not just true for me, it's true for you. That what Jesus is to you, he is wonderful. He's also counselor. And those questions that you have, those, those challenges that you face, those issues that are a part of your journey, part of your experience. God wants to speak into your life. God wants to give you direction for your day. 
In, in, in every area of your life where you need wisdom, God wants to step into that void. He wants to step into that moment and bring you great understanding. And here's what I know. Living in the world that we live in today with so much going on and so much confusion, we need wise counsel. Amen? So, so how do we do that? How do, how do we find that? Well, there are lots of different examples that we can look at in the Bible. This morning, what I want to do is I want to look at the story of a prophet, a man by the name of Habakkuk. So I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to, I want you to turn to, uh, to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is it's the eighth of 12 minor prophets. It's close to the end of the Old Testament. Uh, so if you're using a paper Bible, which you guys know this, I love paper Bibles because you can write in the margin, right? And uh, it, so it's pretty close to the center of the book. And uh, if, if you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you get to the New Testament, you've gone, you've gone too far. Just flip back just a little bit and you'll find the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, it's the, it's the eight of 12 minor prophets. It's not minor in that it, has, it, it doesn't have very much to say. It's, it's, it's considered to be minor simply because of its length. And Habakkuk is one of those guys in, in the Bible that we don't know a great deal about. He's a, he's a relative unknown. And yet, what God offers us through, through, through this short three-chapter book in the Bible I believe this. I believe that it's, it's significant. In fact, I believe this. I believe that God wants to prophetically speak through Habakkuk today to bring clarity and understanding, to bring peace and a sense of anticipation and expectation into your life this morning. So let me give you a little bit of background. So Habakkuk lives uh, in, uh, at around, this is, this is, he's writing this around 600 BC, somewhere in that time frame. And, and Israel is not in a good place. In fact, they're, they're very far from God. And Habakkuk is a man of God and he sees all of this. He sees how people are not living the way that they should for God. And so what Habakkuk does is Habakkuk has this interaction with God. And, and, and it's in that interaction with God that I believe that God has some, some powerful principles to teach to us this morning. In fact, Habakkuk is very interesting in the prophetic books in the Bible because it's the one prophetic book where it's not, it's not a prophet saying, hey, God has given me a word for you. We simply have this opportunity to look into this interaction that Habakkuk has with God. So at the very beginning, it says this, Habakkuk 1.1, it says the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. And here's what he does. Starting in verse number two, Habakkuk complains to God about how wicked everything he sees around him, right? And so he says this in verse number two. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for your help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk says, God, do you not see this? Do you not see the way that people are living? They're doing their own thing. They're, they're caught up in all sorts of evil. God, you should do something. And God responds to Habakkuk and he goes, yes, Habakkuk. Not only should I do something, I'm already do something. Habakkuk, you need to know I've got this. Because all of the evil that you see, I'm about to bring judgment upon this. And here's the way that I'm going to do it. I've raised up the Babylonians. And the Babylonians are an awful ruthless people. They could care less. 
right? And they're going to sweep through and they're going to, they're going to bring a swift and significant judgment upon these people because the people of Israel, because of the way that they're living. That's what, that's what, that's a kind of a summary of, of Habakkuk 1 uh, verses 5 through 11. And Habakkuk then replies, verse number 12, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them, referring to the Babylonians, to execute judgment. O rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too evil, or, or your eyes rather are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. He then says this, why then you, do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Here's what Habakkuk is saying, okay? Habakkuk's first complaint, God, the people around me are wicked. You need to do something about it. And and, and God says, you're right, I should do something about it. And I'm going to have the Babylonians bring judgment on them. And Habakkuk goes, whoa, wait a minute. Really, God? You're going to have the Babylonians come and bring judgment upon these people? The Babylonians are worse. God, I wanted judgment, but I didn't want this much judgment. God, I wanted you to deal with your people, but that wasn't what I was looking for. And it's in that story that we see how how Habakkuk positions himself to understand what God is saying. And it's, it's in this context that God gives us, friends, an unmistakable, undeniable model to have God speak into our situations, to have God step into our day. So here's what I, here's, here's what I want to do. I want, I want you to see this, starting in, in Habakkuk 2, verse 1. He says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets that a herald may run with it. Let's Let's talk about that. Here's what, here's what Habakkuk does. He says this. I will, I will climb to my watchtower, my watchtower. I will station myself. Here is, here is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying this. I'm going to get away from all of the activity. I'm going to I'm going to get myself to a place where I can be focused on what you have to say. It it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that this is part of connecting with God in such a way that he can speak into our situation. Because even Jesus modeled this to us, right? Right? We, we find that Scripture tells us that Jesus often withdrew to a desolate place, or He often withdrew to a quiet place. Why? Because we live in a world of noise. And for me, in, in my 53 years of existence, it seems to me that with each passing year, there's more and more noise. 
Now, there are, there are some of you that are, that are too young to, to relate to this, okay? If you don't know what a cassette is, this isn't going to make sense to you. But a lot of us grew up in a time when, when the television station went off the air. Do you remember that? Right? You'd watch The Tonight Show, or if you were, or if you were an intellectual, you'd watch Dick Cavett, right? Which was just dull, but, uh, you know, and then there would be some little thing after that, and then there would be <laughs> the playing of the national anthem, and then there would be this strange little thing that would appear on the screen, right? Oftentimes, you had an Indian chief in the middle of it, and then you'd hear this, right? I guess it's time to go to bed. <laughs> now, now it, it, do you need 120 channels? Do you need 340 channels? Do you need 890 channels? And, and it's gotten even worse. Now it's not just channel 45, it's channel 45.2, right? There's all this turn on the radio, you can get satellite radio in your house, in your car. If that's not enough, you've got Pandora, Spotify, you've got all this noise, right? How about, how about phones? There are, there are a number of you that, that already in this church service, you've already answered seven texts. Put the phone away for the love of God. Right? I'm not going to make you, I'm not, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many, of you, how many of you have checked Facebook since you walked in here this morning? Okay? Or you, you got to see who said what on Twitter. Let it go. <laughs> so we've all this stuff, it's just, it's, it's bombarding us. You know what I discovered a while ago when it relates to this thing? Um, this, I carry this for my convenience, not yours. So, here's the thing. Call me during my quiet time. You know what you're going to get? Hi, you've reached the voicemail of Ed Garvin. I'm sorry I can't take your call at the present time. We, we get busy. And so, here's what Habakkuk said. He said this, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to withdraw. But it, it's not enough to withdraw. He, he, he went on to say this. He says, I, I, I will station myself on the watchtower and wait. And wait. E even, even if we carve enough time out of our busy schedule, even if we sidle in the noise long enough, we immediately go, okay, God, boom, I'm in prayer mode, go. The problem is we're so amped up, Right? We got all of these things going on in our mind. In fact, let me offer this to you. If you want to know how busy you are, if you want to know all the things that you have to do, stop and take a moment and pray. Because here's what's going to happen. You stop to take a moment to pray, and the devil's going to remind you of everything that you have to do. Am I the only one? Right? It just boom, 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 boom. There's all these issues. There's all these distractions. And I start thinking about all the plates that I've got spinning and everything that I've got to do to keep those plates spinning. God is consistently, God, listen, God on a daily basis has things to say to you. 
Angelica, God wants to speak into your, into your moments. Uh, Chuck, God wants to interact with you on a daily basis. It is, it is not just Moses on the mountaintop or the burning bush where God speaks into our situations. Because God calls us not simply to know him, not simply to know about him. He calls us to have relationship with him. We sing songs like, I am a friend of God. Well, if I'm a friend of God, that means there's going to be this interaction. And if I'm going to be a close friend of God, if I'm going to have close relationship with God, that means there's going to be interaction on a regular basis. Right? There's going to be a a frequency and a depth to it. But that can't happen if I don't deal with all of the distractions and allow myself to, just to calm down from the noise. So Habakkuk says this. He says, I'm going to withdraw, and then I'm going to wait. They that wait upon the Lord will do what? Wait. Wait. It's, 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 it's those pauses that allow our mind to calm. And just breathe into the moment. And God, God wants you to just to settle. I think that that's, I think that when church is done right, that's one of the significant aspects of church. See, if we're not careful, what happens is this, is, is church can, can, can just add to the business and it can just add to the noise. All right? And so we rush in, we, we, we engage in all activity, and then we rush out. But, but if, if church is done right, it's, it's, an, it's an oasis from the chaos that is the world in which we live. Can I offer this to you? It's the reason why I won't miss it. This is a priority for me. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm traveling, I'm going to figure out a way to be in church. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm close, I'm going to be back for Sunday. So, and it, it, listen, it would be really just to say, well, you have to do that. You're the pastor. No, I don't. I don't have to be here every Sunday. Take that. No, right? We're blessed. We have, we have a great pastoral team, and the reality is this. In those times when I'm not here, church rolls on and doesn't miss a beat, and that, that's a testimony to who this church is and the incredible team that we have, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I don't have that pressure, so I'm here today not because I have to be here. I'm here today because I want to be here. I, I miss it. In fact, Jody and I grieve it when we're not here. What we'll do is this, is we'll We'll, we'll oftentimes, we'll tune in and watch, we'll watch the live stream, but even that isn't the same. It's, it's a great substitute, but it is a substitute, right? And much like a substitute teacher, it's not the same as the original. Because this is a, it really is, it's an oasis from the chaos that is the world. But we need to have, we need to have something that allows us to withdraw and then something that uh, uh, positions us to wait, then he, he says something that's really interesting. In fact, it's, it's simple and yet it's very profound. He, he makes this comment. Peter, he says this. He says, I will watch to hear what God says. Isn't that an interesting statement? I will watch to hear 
what God says. That almost sounds like a contradiction. Unless you understand the way that God communicates. Do you know that if you look through the totality of Scripture, and not just through the totality of Scripture, but also what we find historically, even in the, even in the history of the church, that 90% of the time when God speaks, even in Scripture, right, which, which is the high points, God doesn't speak through the audible. He speaks through picture, through vision. It's the reason why both the Old Testament and New Testament make this declaration that young men will have visions, old men will dream dreams. Why? Because God speaks in the visual. Let me, I want to demonstrate that for you. I want you to do this. I want you to stand with me. Go ahead and stand up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to put down your phone. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, in an expression of surrender, I just want you to take your hands and put them like this. Okay? And then uh, I'm gonna, I, I, I want to pray for you real quickly. Okay? So d- d- just humor me. Okay? Even if you're here as a skeptic, you're not here as a Christ follower, humor me. Watch and see if God doesn't prove himself real in this moment. Okay? Close your eyes. God, I pray in this moment that you would give each person here a vision, a picture of how much you love them. Even in this moment, God, I speak your vision over them. God, let them see right now a vision of your love. Now, I want you to do this for me. If, 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 if you have a picture of God's love, I want you to do this. I want you to express gratitude in that by, by giving an applause to God right now. Okay? So here's what this means. You can be seated. Here's what this means. In this room, that many people just heard from God. Okay? You can go ahead and be seated. If, if you didn't have a, a, a visual image come to you, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that something significant is wrong with you. It just means this. It means that you're still dealing with the clutter. All right? And so, you, you, you're, you're deeply entrenched in that clutter. You've got to extract yourself from that and get yourself to a point where you can wait. And then... Allow your eyes to be open. Here's the, way, here's the way the Apostle Paul put it in Ephesians. He said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open. And in that particular prayer, he, he made this statement. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious inheritance of the saints and his incomparably great power for, for those who believe. And, and what God wants to do is, is God wants to cause your eyes to be open. In, in those moments when you find yourself and you feel like you're dealing with overwhelming obstacles, when you see beyond the natural into the supernatural, it's the same situation that, that Elisha's servant in the Old Testament, one of the prophets, Elisha, his servant walks out and he sees this invading army and he goes, Elisha, we're in trouble. And Elisha says, no, we're not. And Elisha prays that the eyes of his servant would be open. And he sees beyond the natural into the supernatural, and he sees all these warning angels, and he goes, no, nah, we're going to be okay. 
God speaks the overwhelming majority of the time in the visual. But friends, you will not see what it is that God's wanting to say to you unless you deal with all of the emotional, mental, and spiritual clutter and all the noise in your life. So what I do is this, I withdraw, I wait, and then I watch. The fourth thing that we see there in Habakkuk chapter 2, it's, it's, it's key. As God responds, here's what he says, write this down. Here's the reason why God says write it down. God consistently, when he speaks to us, he wants to speak through us. Let me say that again. Consistently, when God speaks to us, he wants to speak through us. And there's a, there's a myriad of reasons for that. Here are, the, here are the biggies. Number one is this, is God wants to move us from a selfish disposition to a connected disposition. Because selfishness is an enemy to effective prayer. Let me say that again. Because if you get nothing else out of this morning, I want you to get this. A selfish disposition is an enemy to prayer because it disconnects us relationally from God. And so when I record it, I'm able to repeat it. It's the reason why my, my daily routine is this, is I will write out my prayers. In my quiet time with God, I will write it out. I'm going like this, like I write it out. I don't write it out because I can't read my own handwriting. Um, I do it on my computer and I type it out. They, they say this, they say that the, the more intelligent you are, the worse your handwriting is. And if that's the case, I am the most brilliant person in the room. Because seriously, I can't, I can't read, I can't read when I write my own name. But I'll, I'll record it, okay? The reason I do this, I record it because I can, I can share it. I can also reference it. See, that, was, that which I record, I can, I can repeat it and I can also reference it. And I can take you through 30 years, right at 32 years, of writing out my prayers and writing out what God shows me and show you over and over and over and over and over and over again how God has stepped into my situation, given me words that have, that have comforted me, given me peace, giving me words that have given me direction, giving me words that have helped me to understand how to, how to walk through a particularly challenging dynamic. Because that's what God does. He's, he's faithful. Listen, very practically this morning, God wants to speak into the big parts of your day and also the small parts of your day. Here's how he's going to do it. He's going to do it as you quiet yourself from the noise, as you withdraw, as you allow 
just your mind and all your emotion to just to, just to, just to calm down, just to wind down by waiting. By, by allowing God to give you a vivid picture. Watching. When God, what you're saying to me is important enough that I want to record it. I want to write it down. The, the natural response is this. And we, if we look at going back specifically to Habakkuk's situation, what was Habakkuk's deal? Habakkuk's deal was this. The world's falling apart. God, the world is a mess. Don't you care? Anybody in this room ever, ever had that thought? God, do you understand we're all, we are all seemingly going to hell in a handbasket? I, I don't know why a handbasket. I, I don't know why that is, but that's the phrase that's always used, right? It, it, seriously, it is, it is a mess. He's not in a good place emotionally, Habakkuk isn't. And God says, okay, Habakkuk, here's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, God, don't do that. Right? I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you prayed and you sensed the answer that God gave was not the answer that you wanted. Yeah, God, that was not what I, no. No, God. And God says, listen. Habakkuk, I, I have this. By the way, the particular elements of the story, here's what God said. He says, Habakkuk, you need to chill. Yes, well, I am raising up the Babylonians, and the Babylonians are going to come, and they're going to bring judgment upon my, my, my children for their rebellion. What my children are going to experience is nothing compared to what the Babylonians are going to experience when judgment comes on them. And exactly what God spoke to Habakkuk happened. About 15 years after Habakkuk writes this, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, comes and, 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 and defeats, and they, they take captive Israel. But it's not too long after that that Cyrus and the Persians totally crush the Babylonians. And the Babylonians have not had any significance from that time forward. The last time the Babylonians had any sort of greatness was 500 B.C. Because God said, I'm going to deal with them. I will take care of them. And he did. So here's what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk, number one, Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk's complaint, God's response. Habakkuk going, God, I don't like your response. Habakkuk 2 is God responding again. And then the last chapter is this. It's a psalm. It's a, it's a, it's a hymn of worship. Because when God speaks into our moment, when God steps into our day, His presence makes the difference. Here's how I know that I've received a word from the Lord. Here's how I know 
That vision that he's given me is from him. Because it's not self-seeking. It doesn't make me think, wow, look how cool I am. Look how incredible I am. It doesn't cause me to focus on you, whether you be a source of strength to me or the reason why I'm praying. When when God speaks, it does several things to us. Number one, it brings a peace. And it also it moves us to praise. Now, that's, that's part of the way that I know that I've heard from the Lord because it moves me to a place of just being captivated by how consistent He is and how caring He is. how wonderful He is. Habakkuk starts out irritated. Oh God, how how long will you allow this to go on? God, how loudly do I have to cry out to you and you don't listen? I cry out to you for help. You don't save. I cry out to you violence, and you don't seem to do anything. By the way, I love the honesty of Habakkuk. He doesn't sell God. He goes, God, I don't like the fact that it doesn't seem like you're doing what you said you would do. And God says, oh, but here's what I am doing. But God, that's not what I wanted you to do. Yes, but Habakkuk this is what I'm doing and you need to trust me because I've got this. And here's, what, here's Habakkuk's final response. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. It's the beginning of the psalm. The end of the psalm is this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. God, I'm in awe of you, and I recognize that you make my position secure. You came in here today, and and there, there, there are elements of your life where you've got more questions than answers. You walked in here this morning and you've got these areas of stress in your life. Frustration, need. And more than anything, you need answers. Well, God's in the answer business. And He wants to bring answer into your situation this morning. How does that happen? Withdraw. Pastor, I can't, I'm too busy. You're too busy to not do so. Withdraw. 
Don't just withdraw. Once you withdraw, wait. Wind down. When you get to the point that you're sufficiently calm, watch. Let God give you that vision. Let God give you that dream. Let, let Him place those pictures into your mind. Recognize that what He's saying is important enough that you need to write it down. And then, and then do the most logical thing. The God of all creation has stepped into your moment. The, the God of all that you see has personally engaged in your day. It just seems right to reverence him, doesn't it? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.